I say join in the worship. Sadly, you're not able to sing, um, but I hope you can, you'll, you'll feel blessed um, as, as we sing to you.
Eternal day, 
Lord, we do come and bow before you. You are our glorious King. And yes, maybe not all of us are able to, to sing with our voices, but as those songs said, we our hearts sing to you, our souls sing to you. We want to bring to you our worship this morning. And we may feel despondent and discouraged by the news of another lockdown 
But Lord, would you help us to hold on to the truths that we've sung, that our God saves and that there is hope in your name. Your name is the only name in which there is true hope. Help us to keep looking to you in the midst of everything that's going on. You are our glorious King and we want to bow before you in worship. And maybe one or two people would like to speak out words of praise and worship. That applies to those on Zoom. If you're going to, to pray, please unmute yourselves. To those in the sanctuary, um, can I just remind you that uh, you should speak at your normal voice volume. But um, let's bring our praise to our glorious King. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the depths and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. He will not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. Psalm 103. Father God, we ask that you would accept every prayer as we bow before you in awe and wonder and, and love for our amazing, glorious King. Amen. We now have the pleasure of another All Age Talk. Mark. Morning. Today I'm talking to you about families and the love of a father. So I'm going to share with you the story of the prodigal son. It's one of Jesus' parables and demonstrates how much our father in heaven. So you see, there was this man, let's call him Jethro. He was quite wealthy and had a farm and some businesses. He also had two sons, and we'll call them Joel and Jesse. Jesse was the youngest son and a bit of a tearaway. He got fed up with working for his dad and being bossed around by his older brother all the time. So one day he decided he was going to leave. He went to his father and said, Dad, I don't want to live here anymore. This is really boring. I want to leave and see the world. Give me my inheritance now so that I can live life while I am still young. Now, back in the day, this was the biggest insult a son could give to his father. Because you see, what? Jesse was actually saying was, Dad, you and the family are dead to me. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. This saddened Jethro. But he loved his son, so he gave him what he asked for. The next morning, Jesse got up really early and packed all his things and set off for the journey of a lifetime. He left without even looking 
back. Meanwhile, Joel stayed with Jethro and continued to work. In fact, he had to work even harder because he had to make up for Jesse. Jesse travelled to a far-off land and stopped in a big city. He had plenty of money, but no self-control. He lived the high life, drinking and gambling, partying till all hours. He thought he was having a great time and never thought about his family until one day all his money ran out. He hadn't even thought about working and he hadn't invested any of his money and now everything was gone. He had no choice but wait and begged for a job with a local farmer. Now the farmer knew Jesse was desperate, so he took him on, but he hardly paid him anything, not even enough to buy a decent meal. The farmer sent Jesse out into the fields to feed the pigs. Jesse was hungry, so hungry, in fact, that even the pig slops looked appetizing. Then, all of a sudden, Jesse came to his senses. He remembered his father and his family. He thought to himself, even my father's servants have plenty to eat. But Jesse was ashamed. He had insulted his dad so badly. He'd cut him off from his life. How could he go back? But what other choice was there? He would starve if he stayed here. He would say to his father that he didn't deserve to be treated as a son anymore, so would only come back as a servant. So off he set. As Jesse approached the family home, Jethro saw him in the distance. He couldn't believe his eyes. Could this be Jesse? Jethro was overjoyed. He ran to Jesse. And before Jesse could say anything, Jethro hugged and kissed him and took him back to the house. And when they got there, Jethro told his servants to prepare a big party to celebrate Jesse's return. He gave Jesse the finest new clothes to replace his rags and put a ring on his finger. And this was really significant because it meant that Jesse was a member of the family once again. Jethro forgave Jesse and accepted him back unconditionally because he loved his son no matter what he'd done. Now, I wonder, have you ever done anything wrong that you were really embarrassed or ashamed about? Something that maybe you thought you'd get into really big trouble for? 
maybe you're scared to tell your parents. I know I've done things like that. Jesse was scared to go back home too. He'd done something so bad that he felt that he wasn't even worthy to be part of the family. But you know what? If we pluck up courage and say we're sorry, if we're honest about our mistakes, we will be forgiven just as Jesse was. We might get into a little bit of trouble, but in the long run, it will strengthen our relationships and build trust. And it's the same with God. We call him our father in heaven. He loves us more than any human can love. And yes, he does get sad when we get things wrong. But if we come to him and say we're sorry, there's nothing he loves more than forgiving us and welcoming us back into his family. After all, he sent his own son, Jesus, to be a sacrifice so that if we believe in him, we can be welcomed back into God's family. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. The topic that we're looking at today is bearing our family likeness. And uh, it's really, that was a really good reminder of how God, our Father, just longs to have us in, in his family. Um, we're going to sing a song now that uh, illustrates this, it's, uh, about being God's family. Um, it's one that we've used in Messy Church. Um, it's got some actions to it. Um, I know that we haven't got any of the, the younger in age here, but uh, hopefully there's some of you on Zoom that you'll be able to join in. I'll just show you some of the actions. They're kind of self-obvious, really, but we've got very small, pink and blue, reading books, feeding ducks, um, and then we've got God loves um, Yeah, you'll pick it up as we go along. So we're going to sing that one.
Thank you for joining in so enthusiastically. Um, um, yeah, we are part of God's family. Um, but there are those in the family um, and outside the family who, who are, are hurting and, um, and need prayer. There's so many things that we could pray for. Um, we've got the, obviously the, the pandemic situation, the desperate need for, for wisdom, um, well, the even greater need for the, an end to the, the pandemic. Um, we've got how people are going to react to the, the recent news, the effect on physical health, mental health, all sorts of things. Um, we've got the situation in France with the, the terrible killings they've had recently, um, the earthquake in Turkey, um, closer to home, we have um, our, our dear church member, Edith, who, who's uh, in hospital. Um, there's the U.S. elections. And so I'd just like to invite a, a few of you perhaps to, to pray out uh, prayers of intercession. If you're on Zoom, um, as always, do unmute yourself so that we can hear you. Um, thank you. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer that you have given us the Lord's Prayer where we can say, Our Father who art in heaven. Thank you that you have made us your children um, through Christ and that you call us and teach us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we just thank you, Father, that even though these situations that we face around the world are just so big and so overwhelming there is nothing lord which is beyond your sovereign power and control and lord we thank you that we can bring these big things as well as the small things to you and you hear our prayers and you answer according to your will but father we cry out to you um, for for our nation and for the world in this pandemic lord we we continue to cry out for justice for an end uh, to this pandemic that people would be able to return to work that um, people's jobs would be protected and the economy would be protected lord we, we just ask that you would provide uh, for our nation at this time lord we can't see uh, an end to this but lord you know the end from the beginning and so sovereign lord we ask that you would just intervene in miraculous ways. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen.
those looking after them. Also the persecuted church. Mm. You may strengthen them as they're being persecuted so that they do not abandon their place. And bring an end perhaps to their <coughs> persecutions. And I pray for all those that are homeless mm. and shifted by trouble and all kinds of things. And on an individual or smaller basis, I pray for my daughter Sarah, who sort of run down and tired, mm. feeding down. And uh, hopefully you can intervene there. This is usually such an happy song. Mm. And I pray for us all as we go forwards, you know, this lockdown. That we can, you know, keep our obedience up yes. and uh, try to do some good yes. where we can and uphold what we've been told. Amen. 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 Thank you. Father, we bring to you all these concerns, um, things that have been spoken aloud, requests that have been made in, in silence. You hear them all and you answer them all. And we thank you for your love for each one of us, for each one that you have made. And that's everyone, Lord. You love the world. We thank you for that. Amen. Um, George is going to bring, bring us the reading now. So, George, if you could unmute yourself. Thank you. The reading is taken from 1 John, chapter 2, beginning at uh, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God sees, 
God's seed remains in him, he cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the, cho- the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Thank you, George. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for that incredible privilege of being your children, being part of your family. We thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, your Holy Spirit can always bring something new out of it to, to strike us afresh. We pray now for Martin as he comes to speak. We thank you for, for all the preparation that he has made. Lord, we want to hear you speaking to us this morning. And uh, would you give us the desire and uh, equip us, Lord, to put into practice what we hear from you. Amen. Um, yeah, I'd just like to uh, begin by saying uh, thank, you to, thank you to all our technical team and our welcome team who have been working so hard uh, to open uh, this morning. Thanks. There's been a lot of work and training that's gone on behind the scenes. So just like to say thank you to all our welcome team and uh, all those uh, on the computer and on the cameras, on the sound. Uh, it's really, really grateful um, that you've made this happen. And um, there will be other occasions when we'll be using this technology, um, I'm sure, for funerals coming up and uh, when we reopen again in December. So we are up and functioning now. And so, uh, yeah, that's why I'm really saying thank you because uh, it's really important that we're, we're able to, uh, uh, to, to, to function in this way. This morning, we're looking, as Alison said, at bearing our family likeness. Um, I was drawn to this picture of um, uh, John F. Kennedy sitting at the Oval um, Office desk, but I was, my eye is drawn in this picture to his son, John Jr., who is playing under the desk. And the picture says so much about uh, loving relationships. Now, not just anyone, as you know, can walk into the Oval Office, um, leave alone, um, sit under the president's desk. But John Jr. had free access um, to President Kennedy because the president was his dad. And the point is that when someone trusts in Jesus Christ, they are born into the family of God. They become a child of God because they receive God's seed, the Holy Spirit. And just as John Jr. was able to be freely in the presence of God, sorry, in the the presence of the president, so we as God's children have free access to God. Um, We have access to him. We can have confidence in his presence because we know that he's our loving father. We know that he accepts us, that he cherishes us. We have nothing to fear from him. And he hears our prayers as we address him as our father in heaven. And this is really important, isn't it? Because John is writing to reassure the churches around Ephesus that they can be sure and confident in their faith because God is their loving father and they are his dearly loved children. Um, This was especially important because their confidence had been shattered. False teachers had caused 
uh, split in the churches and a number of the congregation had left. And there was all sorts of acrimony going on in the congregation um, as a result of this split. And so the ones left behind in the churches needed reassurance that God loved them and that they were still his dearly loved children. And John writes to reassure them that they have security and confidence as God's loved children. Um, we may not have, we may not be facing a church split and, and massive false teaching, at least in our, in our church situation. There's plenty of false teaching around in the culture, but we're not facing that um, same situation. But don't we live in a time of insecurity and anxiety and uncertainty, not least as we enter another uh, national lockdown this Thursday? A lot of people naturally are feeling very anxious and insecure at this time for, the, for their own health, for their jobs, for the economy, for the future, for their family. Um, and I share in that um, with a son uh, hundreds of miles away um, who's had COVID. You know, there is, a, there is an anxiety, there is an insecurity. You feel hopeless and helpless. But John's word to us this morning is that we are God's dearly loved children, now and for eternity. And John would have us be secure and confident in our relationship with God. And he would have us um, take confidence in certain truths about that. So how can we be sure that we are God's children? Well, very simply, do what is right. Do what resembles your Father in heaven. Children pick up on the mannerisms, don't they, good and bad, of their parents. We say, like father, like son, or you are your father's daughter, all those kinds of things. I'm sure you've got those uh, mannerisms that you've passed on in your own families. Um, I certainly have. And John says that those who are God's children will live out the family likeness by doing what is right. Verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Doing what is right involves loving others, overcoming the influences of the world, and living a life orientated to obeying Jesus rather than sinning. There's a family ethic at work here, isn't there? To resemble the Father, we will hate sin, and we will want to please the Father. We'll want to obey him. Um, People live in a way that is consistent with their parents and household. We sometimes joke in our family that there is a Robinson way of doing things. Um, this came home to me when I was first married. Um, and I realized that not everyone does Christmas the Robinson way. That there is a price way of doing Christmas too. So there is a family ethic at work. We mirror and resemble our families, don't we? So John is really saying that you can identify someone who is a child of God by the way they resemble their father in heaven. Two true children of God will live in a way that reflects the character of God. Secondly, how can we be sure that we are God's children? Well, the father's love makes us his children. That's a fact. The Father's love makes us his children. According to John, we are not only called children of God as a title, we really are. Um, so we can put up the next slide, John, thanks. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We really are children of God. It's not just a title. Our status has changed. We've been given a new life. We, we have a new family, the family of God. And this new life in us is a growing thing. Um, you'll know from experience, babies grow into toddlers. Toddlers grow into children. Children grow into adolescents and adolescents into adults. So God's seed in us is a growing thing. We are growing to become more like Christ. Verse 2 says this. Thank you, John. You stick up verse 2. There we go. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we are growing by the Spirit from one degree of glory to another. Isn't that wonderful? God is at work in us, growing us to be more and more like Christ. Until Christ comes and we will be changed in his glory and presence to be as he is. We will be made sinless. We will receive glorified resurrected bodies that will not decay, grow sick, grow tired, or ever die again. That's good news, isn't it? This morning, you are getting a new body in, that's fit for heaven to live in eternity. We're grateful for the NHS. Thank God for them. But in heaven, we will not need the NHS. And we can be sure that we are God's children because the Holy Spirit in us gives us new birth into a new family. We are growing and changing from one degree of glory to another until Jesus comes again. And in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be made like him as he is. So John challenges us as Christians to look forward to that day and to go on changing, to go on dying to sin and to go on being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says this, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So we are to confess our sin. We are to grow to hate our sin. And we are to love obeying and pleasing the Father. We are to look forward to that day when we will be finally transformed and perfected in Christ. Thirdly, how can we be sure we are God's children? Well, no one who lives in Christ keeps on sinning. Verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. What does John mean here by keeps on sinning? Well, it can't mean that Christians no longer sin at all, can it? Because back in chapter 1, verse 8, John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it can't be that we never sin again as Christians. Um, to understand John, we need to understand sin as lawlessness. Well, lawlessness is a disposition or orientation toward wrongdoing and sin. John is saying that Christians who've been born again by the Holy Spirit will live a life that is orientated towards obedience. That doesn't mean that they won't sin ever, but it means that our basic disposition as Christians is obedience and pleasing God. And when we do sin, we confess that sin and we receive the assurance of forgiveness. So 
Um, I'm sure that you can all say that there have been times in your life when you have acted more like a non-Christian than a Christian. I know that's been true of me. But like the prodigal son in the story, if we're truly Christians, we will want to come back to God. We want to obey him again and please him. And God that is that loving father who welcomes us home and puts a ring on our finger and dresses us in a robe. So there may be times when we wander off like sheep, but as a, if we're truly Christians, we will want to please the Father, we'll want to repent of our sin and come back to him. So don't be discouraged um, if you sometimes have wandered. Um, if you're a true child of God, you will always want to confess your sin and come back to God and he will receive you back. Fourthly, how can we be sure we are God's children? Jesus has destroyed the work of the devil in us. Verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Isn't that wonderful? The reason Jesus came into the world was to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, which is death, and to rise again from death to overcome the power of sin, which is death. The resurrection is proof that um, Jesus has overcome the penalty of sin, which is death. Um, now, the way that Jesus has destroyed um, sin is in two ways. Sin separates us spiritually from a relationship with our Father. So Jesus has broken that power through his resurrection. He's opened up a new and living way so that we can have a relationship with God as our Father in this life. But not only has he destroyed the devil's work spiritually he's destroyed the devil's work physically now christians go through death just like everyone else but the specific hope that christians have is that when christ comes again whether we've been buried or cremated is is doesn't make any difference because we will be raised up from the ashes or from our remains with brand new glorified resurrected bodies that will be sinless and will be fit for heaven so that the physical power of death has also been broken for the Christian because we will receive glorified physical resurrection bodies that will live um, in a um, sin-free, evil-free, injustice-free world of, of heaven. So take heart this morning as Christians because all of this is true. We have been released from the work of Satan uh, to live um, in the hope of our glorious resurrection. And this means that for the Christians, there is a new power, a new desire at work in us to stop sinning and to obey God. Um, verse uh, nine says this, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, seeds grow into seedlings and saplings, and then those seeds go on and grow into the full-grown plant or tree. So the seed is the basic genetic makeup of the plant or the tree. And in the same way, when we trusted in Jesus Christ, we were given God's seed, the Holy Spirit. God's genetic code lives in you. Isn't that good? God's genetic code his spirit lives in you god is in you the hope of glory in your heart 
And that seed is growing more and more as you continue to trust in Jesus Christ. You are resembling him more and more as you grow up and mature in Christ. And what we should be looking for as Christians is a greater desire to get rid of sin in our lives and to grow to be more like Jesus. Now, one of the things that's strange about becoming a Christian is you become more aware of sin in your life. Have you noticed that? You become more sensitized. People say to me when they become Christians, I'm, I feel more of a sinner now than I was before I was a Christian. Well, yes, because you have God's genetic code in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's made you more aware of when you're sinning. So don't be surprised that you are more sensitive to sin. It's because when we sin, we're going against the grain of who we are. We are now children of God. So you're going to experience that um, sort of sensitive um, aspect of being more and more aware of your sin. Um, so don't be discouraged by your sin. If you've, been, if you've read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, all the way through the book, um, Pilgrim struggles with doubts and sin. But he grows more and more to love Christ and to hate his sin. And that's, that struggle is authentic for all of us as Christians. Anybody struggle with doubts? That's authentic for the Christian because you're in a battle. But God's seed is living in you and growing in you. And so what we want to look for as Christians is a growing desire to obey Christ and to please God and to do away with sin. On the other hand, those who have not received God's seed by believing in Jesus are called children of the devil. Children of the devil do not have God's seed in them. They don't desire to obey God and they don't desire um, to come to church or to love the family of God. Now, there may be many, many nice people in your family and in the world and in your neighbours who don't love God and the Bible, whether we like it or not, describes them not as children of God, but children of the devil. Not because they are intrinsically nasty people. Many of them are very nice and respectable people. But we're either on the Lord's side, we're either children of God, or we're children of the devil. There is no sitting on the fence. There is no gray area. I'm sorry to say that this morning. You're either one or the other, according to John. So we can be sure that we are children of God by continuing to believe in Jesus, by loving others, and by seeking to purify ourselves from a life of sinning. We can do this confidently because we are no longer children of the devil. The devil's power has been broken in us. Isn't that good news? You know, you don't always feel you're overcoming as a Christian, do you? you, you sometimes you and I are overwhelmed with doubts and struggles. That's a reality. But when we look at the cross and the empty tomb, we're reminded it's not about whether we're doing well. It's the fact that Christ has overcome on our behalf. And we can always look at the facts and truths of our faith and see that even when we struggle and doubt and feel overwhelmed with anxiety and insecurity, our confidence is in Christ. He is our hope. Amen. The God who is our father has lavished his love on us. He's made us his beloved children through sending his son for our sins and giving us his spirit. He is merciful, loving and full of grace. 
And as his children, we know that we're on the right side of God. And this knowledge gives us confidence. So however you feel this morning, the truth of the matter is God loves you. And he's given his son to die for you. He gave the best gift he could have given for you to make you a Christian. Let me finish with this. We are and we ought to be the children of God. We already are genetically related to God, our father, as his children. So whether you feel it this morning or not, God's seed is in you as a Christian. You are genetically related to God as, as the father. His seed lives in you and it's growing in you. But knowing that ought to lead to us wanting to please the father. Um, children that love their parents want to please their parents, don't they? <laughs> so, <laughs> somebody said, whispered sometimes here, but uh, that's great, bit of feedback. We ought to be children in the way that we live and behave. As we live out our family resemblance, so we show that we really do belong to God the Father. And living out our family resemblance gives us confidence in our faith. You see, the more we love God and obey him, the closer to God we feel, the more secure and confident we feel in his presence. The more we obey, the more we feel and experience the love of the Father. The more we seek to please the Father, the closer he comes and the more confidence we have in him. Many people spend their lives in a state of insecurity when it comes to God. Perhaps they doubt they're good enough for him. Maybe they imagine God is far off and unloving. Maybe some liken God to the austere father figure they knew growing up. Maybe they doubt God's love, sovereign providence and care when they suffer through life's difficult circumstances. God would say to you and me this morning through his word in John, I love you. You are my dearly beloved child. You can be confident and secure in me because your confidence is based not on how you feel, but on what my son has achieved through the cross and resurrection on your behalf. God's spirit, God's seed lives in you. That seed is growing until one day when Christ returns, he will call you home and you will be perfected as Christ is perfected. You are God's dearly loved child this morning. So in a world of anxiety and fear and insecurity, look to Christ, look to God. Remember that you are a dearly loved child of God and live out your new identity in him. Be who you already are, a child of God who pleases the Father and experiences the love and peace of the Father flooding your soul. Let's pray. Father God, in this insecure world in which we live, I pray for each one of us that, Father, you would pour your love out into each of our hearts again through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us know that you love us dearly as your dearly loved children. Father, I pray for, for any of us who feel far off from you today, for those struggling with anxiety and fear. Father, I pray that you would help us all to root our identity and faith in what Christ 
has done for us. Not in how we feel, but thank you, Lord, that our faith, our hope rests on Christ and him alone. So open our eyes to see the hope of Christ today and for eternity. Flood our hearts again, Holy Spirit, with hope and with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Martin. We're closing with a, a traditional hymn, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling.
Well, we thank you, Lord, for that glimpse of the future that awaits us as we're changed from glory into glory and ushered into your presence. Oh, it's just beyond, beyond words. And now, could we say the grace to one another? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and evermore. Amen.